Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Middle East Studies. I'm Mark Calder in Aberdeen, Scotland. Uh, today we'll be talking to Bod Cordvite about his book, uh, Dilemmas of Attachment, Identity and Belonging Among Palestinian Christians. It's a really interesting book. It's packed full of ethnographic detail, which, make, which makes it uh, enjoyable to read. And the theoretical reflections add a great deal of value due to their attention to the ambiguities and political implications associated with such a diverse group as Palestinian Christians. So, Bord Cordvite in Oslo, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Bord, I wonder if you could begin the interview by telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, um, I'm a Norwegian... Uh anthropologist. Uh, I'm from an Arctic village of some 800 people in, in the north of Norway. But I left, uh, I left the Arctic to study in, uh, in Bergen on the Norwegian west coast at 18. And that's where I stumbled onto anthropology in the Middle East as an area of study. So I started off with a, a master's degree and, uh, well, later on ended up doing a PhD with a focus on uh, Christian Palestinians. So, yeah. That's a, that's a brief introduction. Yeah, indeed. How did you come to write Dilemmas of Attachment then? Was that based on your PhD research? Well, yes, I mean, maybe I can uh, I'll backtrack a little bit. It's sort of, um, uh, as a master's student, I, uh, well, I, I wrote a thesis on Palestinian return migration from the U.S. to the West Bank. Mm-hmm. For that, I conducted fieldwork in some Palestinian villages in 2000, just before the Second Father broke out. And while there, while doing fieldwork, I, I got to know a few Christian Palestinians then in Ramallah, uh, on the central part of the West Bank. And I, I kind of I got to learn that this was a, a small but resourceful group, well-educated, politically engaged, and proud of their, of their history in the region. Mm. And I also got the sense that they were emigrating at a fairly high rate. So I wanted to learn a bit more about these people, about their... Uh, history in the region and there are about their position in as Palestinian society. And so was this, um, this the, the, the question that, that, that you sought to pursue through your PhD research then in terms of emigration? Well, it's sort of, um, that was my starting point. Um, but it's sort of, uh, I was also, I was in, I was particularly intrigued by this, this tension that arise from their, uh, well, their identity as their national identity as Palestinians, as members of an, well, an Arab and predominantly Muslim community, and as Christians, as members of a, well, a wider Christian community uh, where bigger Western churches have, have a history of uh, strong support for Israel, which has sort of been a source of some, some resentment, some disappointment among, among local Christians. But I, w- I wanted to learn a bit more about how these, these tensions as well played out in a Palestinian context. I see. Maybe it would be helpful for listeners to have a, a quick overview of, of Palestinian Christians, their numbers, where they're concentrated, perhaps how they have been represented in the past. Yes, uh, it's, a, it's a fairly small community of around 50,000 people that, are, that now live in, in the West Bank, in Gaza and in East Jerusalem. Uh, that's a bit more than 1% of the, of the Palestinian population in the occupied territories. Mm-hmm. And they belong to 13 different church communities, which the biggest is the Greek Orthodox uh, and the Catholic Church. And for the most part, they constitute a fairly well-educated middle-class minority. Um, for generations, they have been had privileged access to church-run private schools that are far better than public schools now and in the past. Many of them work in educational health institutions, international NGOs in the tourist sector. And as a community, they're, 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 they're more socially liberal than their Muslim neighbors. Mm-hmm. Now, historically, they, they uh, consider themselves descendants of, uh, of people who lived there before the, sort of the, the Muslim uh, Arab invasions of the 6th century. Uh, and there's, there's small numbers, are partly due to a long history of immigration, especially from the Batlan area. Uh, an immigration that dates back to the late Ottoman period. But uh, in spite of this, they, they still hold a, a considerable influence in the Palestinian community. Hmm. Christian intellectuals played a central role in, in developing a modern secular Palestinian nationalism, and they still hold a fairly strong voice in Palestinian politics. 
and today sort of local Christians, uh, whether clerics or community activists are, are sort of still very active in that when it comes to creative nonviolent forms of resistance to, to the Israeli occupation. So, um, yeah, that's a few, a few words on that. Yeah, that's really helpful. Could, could you describe your own focus um, in the Bethlehem area? Why did you choose to focus on Bethlehem in particular then? Um, was it mainly because of this history of emigration? Um, or is there something else about Bethlehem that's particularly interesting? Well, um, Bethlehem is kind of a, it's, it's a stronghold of Palestinian Christianity. So sort of almost half of the Christians that are left, around 22,000, live in in the town of Bethlehem and the neighboring towns of uh, uh, Beit Jala and Beit Sahur. So that was sort of a, that was basically my uh, starting point. But it's also a very, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, region. Uh, it's very, uh, it's very socially diverse. Uh, it's, there's kind of a, there is Bethlehem itself with, with its, its, its rich biblical heritage and the local population that's immensely proud of that. There's also um, a number of refugee camps based in that area, and uh, and, and several and several sort of smaller villages surrounding Bethlehem itself. You actually talk, I think, earlier in your book about um, Bethlehem as comprising different social worlds. What do you mean by this exactly? Is it just that there's these um, different rural refugee camps, urban? Uh, zones, if you like, or is there something a bit more, um, I don't know, cultural, social, <laughs> about that different social worlds? Well, it's uh, the divides I talk about. They're uh, they're part of it. It's sort of um, this was one of the first things I I sort of noticed coming there. I um I came to Bethlehem in uh, the summer of two thousand six for the first time, and um, I started working as a partly as an English tutor really, at a uh, student center associated with uh, Bethlehem University. And at this student center, where there were, there were uh, local Palestinian students that wanted to uh, well, basically learn some conversational English. Many of them had, well, most of these uh, students were from uh, refugee camps and from villages around, around Bethlehem. They came from uh, families with uh, plenty of children, usually fairly poor families, and basically... Uh, going, getting to uh, to Bethlehem University at all had been a, quite an achievement for them. Mm. Uh, but some of them, some of them had also basically completed a three or four year degree at Bethlehem University. Some in business studies, pretty much without being able to put together more than very, very basic sentences in English. Mm. And this sort of a, this was a, a first immediate contrast with. Uh, so the, the Christian communities of the Bethlehem area. I was um, I, I lived with a uh, I got the chance to live with a, a Greek Orthodox family based in Beit Sahur, and through that family and through that neighborhood, so that I got I got to know them. I, I, I so I got an immediate introduction to the the local Christian communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I were characterized by well higher level of education levels of education. Um, most of them spoke English quite well. Uh, many of them had attended uh, church-run private schools in the area. Some had lived abroad, and they had a, in, in some ways, we might say, a kind of a, a cultural orientation towards the, the West culturally. Mm. Yeah, in, 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 in many ways, many of them had uh, uh, lots of family, uh, lots of relatives living in, in the U.S., in Europe, and certainly in Latin America. And when it comes to immigration, when it comes to came to personal aspirations, people either had so young people either had sort of fairly high ambitions in terms of what they could or wanted to achieve in the West Bank, or they had a they had a clear ambitions of, of getting out right. of uh, or going going to uh, well to the U.S. or Europe for for studies or work. And these were sort of um, one of the kids at this one um, of the students at this, this student forum. Some of them also had this had the ideas of, of going out of uh, emigrating, but um, if so, it was it was more it was more a matter of uh, plans for short term trips to Jordan or the Gulf states, if mm. possible. But most of all, that they had a, their main ambitions were just 
they basically live decent lives in the Bethlehem area. So in terms of um, in terms of perceptions of their own possibilities, in terms of aspirations, I, I, I experience quite a gap mm. between, uh, between these two worlds. It's very interesting how you bring uh, bring out the, the difference between the ways in which um, Palestinian Christians uh, understand themselves to be connected to to a wider world, um, and and also Palestinian Muslims in Bethlehem, and contrasts between. Uh, refugees and urban elites and so on. Um, just focusing mm. on Palestinian Christians for the time being, um, and yes. especially with questions of their identity, um, Christians in Palestine have become a kind of currency in very shrill political contests, some of which you describe early on in your book. Were you concerned at all about your work being appropriated in ways that could distort Palestinian Christian realities or even harm their interests? Yes, certainly. Uh, it's... Um... It's uh, in many ways. It's um, it's sort of a, the situation of minorities in the Middle East altogether has become something of a political focus in in Western countries in, in recent years. Not just in Palestine, in in, uh, in Egypt as well. Hmm. Um, but uh, it's 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 been a focus on in Palestine for uh, for the last ten years or so at least. And it's sort of it's become a. Um, uh, since uh, well, it's been, there's there's been quite a bit of a alarm about uh, the flight of Christians from the area, and so the, this and this notion that uh, they are almost disappearing from the area, mm. and it's become kind of a a battle over narratives of who's to blame for this, Israel or um, or Palestinian Muslims, basically, and uh, well, local Christians find themselves in uh, in, in uh, find find themselves in in the middle of this. Um, and sort of they, they they have a clear interest in in some in in, in sort of shaping their own narrative. Mm. Yes, uh, and as a researcher, I find it it's I find it important to sort of uh, to convey the complexity in all this. Mm. Uh, sort of on the one hand, there, there this is a community with some uh, with in, some internal uh, tensions, certainly some conflicts that are some conflicts between Christians and Muslims as well. At the same time, there, there's the, there is the occupation, which has a stiffening effect on all Palestinians, Christians as well, and uh, in some in some ways, uh, in, in some ways, it has uh, has uh, has harmed the Christian communities in, in, in particular ways. Um, Such so, as? Well, it's in the Bethlehem area, uh, in particular, sort of the closing off of Bethlehem. Uh, has had a devastating effect on on the tourist industry. The tourist industry is uh, is a lifeline for um, well for, for many Christians in the in the Bethlehem area. Uh, when it comes to land confiscations, um, a lot of land has been uh, confiscated by Israel for the building of settlements, for the building of wall or the wall especially in and around the Bethlehem area. And much of this land has belonged to, uh, to Christian landowners. And another, another thing is the, is the whole um, is Israeli restrict restrictions on, on return for uh, Palestinians who have lived abroad. Uh, it's, sort of the, 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 it's sort of the Israeli rules of uh, regulations when it comes to uh, the right to settle, the right to residency in Palestine uh, changes all the time. And this is something that uh, will strongly affect those who have those who have lived a bit abroad, those who um, have family members abroad, wish to come back. Mm. And in the Bethlehem area, this is uh, this is the case for uh, for uh, for many Christian Palestinians, in particular, I think, uh, due to due to their fairly uh, sort of strong history of uh, of emigration. I think one of the really compelling features of your book is how you, if you like, remain faithful to the complexity all the way through. Uh, and another aspect of that are the multiple loyalties that Palestinian Christians may have and, and the various kinds of group to which they may belong. Could you describe some of this uh, for our listeners, the kinds of group loyalties that might have a decisive role in the way Palestinian Christians in Bethlehem understand themselves? Well, it's sort of um, it's a um, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's Bethlehem is a uh, it's a very uh, 
it's a it's a diverse area which is with, with various social divisions mm-hmm. it's a um it's an area where where people are divided along different lines traditionally these local communities have been organized along by family clans and to this day family patriarchal family clans some that can number more up to more than ten thousand can be a source of land wealth power and protection um, but this also means that smaller family clans, uh, to which many Christians belong, can be a source of vulnerability. Then there are social divides between villages, long-time city dwellers, camp-based refugees, and communities of settled Bedouins in the area. Hmm. Then there are regional divisions between those belonging to the Bethlehem area and people from other parts of the West Bank, in particular the district of Hebron. And there are sort of deep socioeconomic cleavages. Um, with a large population of poorer villages and refugees and with a significant wealth concentrated among a few elite families. And there are political uh, divisions between political factions as well. Um, but uh, in the Bethlehem area itself, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of um, uh, in different situations, different different identities are sort of actualized in a sense. Uh, I, I lived in, a, I, I had my uh, primary base in Beit Sahur, which is known as a, as a city with a with strong with a strong sense of sort of internal solidarity, mm. and uh, where sort of conflicts could uh, could could uh, erupt between members from uh, uh, someone from uh, a Bethlehem family and uh, someone from well, outside of Bethlehem, uh, so from uh, from a Beit Sahur family and someone from outside of uh, Beit Sahur from a, a nearby Muslim village from a Hebron family. Or Christian Christian families from um, from Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, conflicts involving uh, disputes over uh, the sale of land, which in in the, in the case of Beit Zahur was a there was a strong a strong sense of uh, a sense of duty of, of of keeping keeping the, the Beit Zahur land within the village, mm-hmm. and this is something that uh, actually that uh, transcended. Christian-Muslim lines as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to, um, in, in relation to sort of the outside world, in relation to Israel, uh, it's sort of, uh, it's many of these, these sort of, uh, these in, many internal, um, these internal tensions are, are, to some extent, set aside. Uh, there is a strong sense, certainly among Bethlehem Christians, that um in relation to the outside world, it's it is important to sort of to keep a united front uh, as Palestinians as well. There there is a sense of uh, there is a sense of strong uh, there, there are concerns about about the, their their position in Palestine as even a minority. Uh, deep concerns uh, considering the strength and future fate of Hamas, the political movement. And whether under under a, in, a, in a Palestine uh, dominated by such movements, uh, what, what kind of place they will be for uh, for them as Christians? But the same, at the same time, they have um, historically they have a lot invested in uh, in kind of a secular Palestine, nationalist vision of Palestine, and sort of uh, baked into this is uh, is this what you might call an, an ethos of uh, national unity? This idea that. Uh, you stand together against the outside world, and uh, you keep internal differences to to when when keeps internal differences to oneself, uh, and, and until until national liberation has been achieved. So it's sort of in in, uh, in concrete contexts. It's sort of uh, when when uh, in situations of um, strong strong confrontations with Israel, in particular, this sort of uh, it's internal. Solidarity that sort of uh, that that crosses uh, all internal lines. This internal, this uh, Palestinian national solidarity is uh, is very visible and very very strong. Mm. There's lots of interesting theory that you you deal with in the in the book. Um, I just want to focus on on one of um, the key concepts that you use, which is borrowed from Brubaker, which is that of deepness, yes. and it, it seems to be relevant to what you're talking about there. Could you just yes. elaborate a little bit um, on this idea of groupness with reference to your Palestinian Christian interlocutors? Hmm. Well, it's sort of um, 
uh, rubric, it starts out with a basic distinction between categories as you know aggregates of people who may share certain characteristics and groups. That's aggregates of people who, on the basis of those characteristics, also share a collective consciousness, a sense of solidarity, and a capacity for collective action. And he goes on to distinguish between groups and groupness. By that, he refers to, well, he refers to groupness as, as an event, as a phenomenon, where a sense of group belonging and commonality can occur occasionally, triggered by specific events or situations mm. uh, between people who may not usually strongly regard themselves as as a group. And, um, well, in Palestine, Israeli transgressions, military or politically, can at times have a bad effect of bringing people together as Palestinians. And uh, while I was doing, while I was there in, um, in 2006, in the summer 2006, this was a few months after uh, Hamas had come to power. Uh, we at the time there was a but basically a Hamas government that had been boycotted by the international community, mm-hmm. and that boycott had had an effect on. Um, well, it kind of it, it affected everyone. Uh, it it harmed everyone, uh, and it had some absurd consequences. Um, for instance, uh, Bethlehem University, uh, where most of the, uh, sort of young young people in, in the Bethlehem area wants to go. Uh, it's a Catholic university, originally uh, established by the by, by the Vatican, and it still gets uh, quite a bit of funding from uh, through the Catholic Church. But it also depends on uh, on fairly high student tuitions. But during uh, at this time, due to the boycott, a lot of families were uh, hurting financially and struggling to sort of uh, to mobilize the money to send their kids to uh, to the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened then was uh, a lot of them received generous funding um, scholarships from Saudi Arabia. We have a situation in which, due to a boycott aimed at weakening Hamas, a Catholic university and its Christian students find themselves relying on Saudi funding. Interesting. Um, and so it's sort of um, this boycott against Hamas sort of did rally people together, um, even those who passionately hated Hamas in some sense. Mm. During the summer of uh, 2006, Israel also arrested uh, a number of Hamas parliamentarians. Uh, and this too was seen as a, just a, a grave insult against, against uh, Palestinians uh, and against a, well, a Palestinian dem- democratic institution. Mm. And then there was the Lebanon war as well. Um, this was the, the year when uh, Hamas kidnapped uh, some Israeli soldiers on the border. And sorry, um, Hezbollah kidnapped a few, uh, some Israeli soldiers on the border between uh, Israel and Lebanon. And uh, Israel started a fairly heavy uh, military incursion into into, uh, the south of Lebanon with devastating consequences for for some of those uh, communities in Lebanon. At the same time, there was an uh, Israeli, fairly strong Israeli military offensive against uh, uh, Gaza. And during this time, uh, local Palestinians, Christian and Muslim, were, were, uh, they were in a rage. They organized big demonstrations and uh, uh, were truly passionate in, the, in, the, in their opposition to, uh, to Israel in, in, any, in every way. And also, also, uh, and also, in their support for um, for Hezbollah, sort of, uh, I would talk to local, well, local priests who would uh, who would who would praise the leader of Hezbollah for his uh, brave opposition to, uh, to Israel. And it's sort of a uh, this is the kind of situation that uh, invoked not just a Palestinian but a strong sense of Arab mm. identity. So if that's the the performance of Palestinian groupness as a response Mm. to um, the threat of of Israeli uh, Mm. reach or restrictions or or violence, uh, could you give us an example of a different kind of groupness or perhaps the same people performing um, groupness as as they relate to a different kind of group? Well, it's sort of uh, the next year you had... uh... Well, some other uh, 
well, actually, this the same year we have some some other situations uh, that that sort of uh, that triggered uh, some well, basically religious tensions in the area. You had the, um, the aftermath of the of the Muhammad cartoon crisis. Right. <laughs> um, this was a, uh, an incident in which a Danish newspaper published some uh, cartoons, fairly controversial cartoons of Muhammad, which uh, basically uh, started a, a massive campaign of protests against Denmark and later Norway for uh, for publishing these um, these cartoons. Um, in Palestine, I would, I would talk to local Christians to. He said that during these few months, when there were huge rallies against these uh, against these uh, cartoons, they they actually found that uh, that uh, relations between Christians and Muslims were a bit were a bit strained because of this. this in, in, in some sense, local Christians sometimes experience being seen as basically the extension of sure. Western sure. Christianity. And this was seen uh, a bit later as well in the in the fall of two thousand six when. Uh, Pope Benedict made some uh, made some rather offensive comments about the prophet as well. When that happened, uh, four churches in Palestine were arsoned, and there were there were rumors that was someone someone had attempted to uh, arson the, the Catholic Church in Beit Zahur as well. Mm. But I, I was there at the time, and I, I couldn't see any any signs of that. Mm. But sort of at at that time as well, it's sort of. Um, uh, this created a sense among many Christians that uh, uh, a sense of vulnerability, a sense of being, um, uh, well, sort of standing out as being uh, being 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 seen in, in some situation as internal others. Mm. So there's kind of there's there's those kind of situations as well that can that can occur. That's really interesting. And gender plays a very important role in your analysis as well. Um, how would you yes. summarize the centrality of gender in your account beyond the quite familiar stereotypes of, of Middle Eastern gender roles? Well, it's um, the, the Christian communities of Palestine tend to be, um, they take pride in sort of, well, seeing themselves as a bit more socially liberal in many ways than their, their Muslim neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when it comes to uh, also when it comes to gender roles and uh, sort of when it comes to sort of the focus on the individual freedom and all these things, at the same time, they uh, a patriarchal family structure is, is certainly uh, still holds a strong place within within these communities, mm-hmm. and this is particularly evident when it comes to uh, marriage arrangements, deciding who to. Uh, well, well, first of all, when it comes to uh, uh, it, it, it's sort of the, the rules of uh, well, social interaction between uh, uh, men and women, between uh, young boys and girls, are, well, still fairly strict and uh, relative to most European societies. Any, any social interaction between uh, uh, young boys and girls are, is fairly tightly monitored. Mm-hmm. And, and and young women do have to uh, look out for their own their social reputation. Having any kind of uh, sort of serious romantic involvement before getting married is is is, is usually frowned upon. And um, who you get to marry, who who you can marry, is not a well, it's, it's not entirely up to uh, it's not it's not entirely up to the individual. And it's and it's certainly uh, there are some clear terms for who. One might be allowed to marry, mm-hmm. who is considered a suitable partner. Um, historically, anyone was ex- anyone uh, everyone was expected to find a partner within their own church community. Now, this many many of the, the church communities, in, in the, especially in the Bethlehem area, are are fairly small. So that's not that's no longer almost possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in recent well. In the last three or four decades, it's become much more common to sort of uh, to find a partner. That's, well, if you belong to the, the Orthodox Church, to find a, a Catholic partner, for instance. Mm. But when you marry, have to come has to come from a, a sort of a family of good standing, mm. and um, a 
especially for young women. It's, a, it's sort of a, it's in it is vital to have your uh, your uh, you need to have your uh, your family's blessing in terms of uh, when choosing who to marry. Um, looking at individual cases, I, I did find some cases of young men who were able to sort of uh, to kind of kind of force through their will and uh, be able, being allowed to marry someone that their family at first did not approve of. Mm-hmm. This is far more difficult with, uh, for young yeah, for young women. Mm. At the same time, it's sort of um, the sort of ideals of well, romantic love and ideals of, uh, of uh, individual freedom uh, in these um, in in this area are uh, are, are, sort of are growing stronger. And in recent years, there's been there has been, um, and in, in uh, sort of recent years, there has been a, a, few, a few cases of, um, uh, well, marriage by elopement. Young people who have um, who have left, uh, who sort of sort of uh, run away and gotten married to uh, to someone that their families did not approve. Of. And this is something I write about as well. It's uh, I, uh, I I describe a few cases of uh, so, some cases of uh, young people running away and marrying someone that their their families do not approve of. And it's sort of a this is a source of uh, uh, well some moral alarm within the community. There's there's a sense of uh, among older generation there has been. A, among some people, there is a sense of um, uh, well, sort of all rules being uh, basically being dissolved. And when uh, and, and when someone runs away and marries someone that uh, that the families don't approve of, um, and they are forgiving given for it afterwards, that in particular sort of is is, uh, is seen as very uh, alarming, setting a, an unfortunate precedence. Mm. And the sort of in a Basically, in a community where um, there is so much uncertainty, where um, uh, politically they've been living in limbo for decades, there's there's nothing there's nothing resembling a kind of a political solution to the conflicts mm. in the horizon. Uh, economically, uh, people are struggling in general. Um, some families are uh, are um, are leaving leaving the country, or um, some members are leaving the country. Basically, there's a uh, people experience uh, this uncertainty and instability, so many disruptions in so many areas that uh, a patriarchal family structure is sort of uh, is seen by many as a well an important anchor, sort of one thing that they 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 could cling to as as this kind of a source of certainty. Yeah, and, and when when that as well is being uh, it's kind of it's being challenged. This uh, this is this is tough for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, you you describe at one point um, how upheaval, this very radical and very rapid change in Bethlehem, has heightened tensions between those conservative forces and these kind of forces of change, if you like, um, mm. referring in particular to to gender roles and marriage. Um, do you think it has a, a broader application, th- this tension between conservative forces and forces of change uh, being being exacerbated in the context of upheaval? I, I'm thinking in particular of like everyday applications of Christianity, on the one hand, very traditional um, and maybe mm. pietistic, on the other hand, very radical and politically engaged, both of which feature quite prominently in, in contemporary Palestinian Christian discourse. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of um, uh, sort of in in the Palestinian context, you you kind of find a drive uh, towards both in uh, among among local Christians. Um, well, not just local Christians, but certainly among local Christians. Uh, in that, uh, in that, um, uh, there are some people, some families, young people as well, who are turning to religion, who are turning to Christianity uh, as a source of 
uh, identity and as a source of uh, oh, that's kind of as a, as a kind of anchor, I guess. Mm. Um, uh, kind of in response to uh, well, all all these uncertainties, and also in response to what some of them perceive as as a uh, sort of growing pressure from a uh, sort of a local Muslim majority population. Uh, kind of a, you have some segments of a, of local a local Christian uh, community that, that sort of uh, turn inwards towards, well, towards religion, towards the church, and to, towards uh, uh, sort of their own display of, uh, of, of their own religious identity. Uh, and those, then, then there are also, um, uh, then especially among young people, there are those who are. Uh, fiercely uh, wish to protect uh, kind of a sense of, uh, well, to some extent, a secular, liberal lifestyle. Um, that they want to, uh, well, <laughs> they want to expand um, against the will of uh, older generations within their own community, and they want to protect against uh, what they see as conservative forces in, in society in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there are, uh, yeah. So there, there are sort of several cross-cutting, uh, cutting uh, drives in this in this context, and it's sort of, uh, um, it, it's sort of in a, in a context of um, well, political uncertainty and economic sort of economic depression as well, which has been. Has been a feature in Palestine for some time. It's uh, this sense of uh, a, sen- a sense of social freedom is uh, considered quite quite essential among uh, among many people. Hmm. Changing focus a little bit, give a, a very powerful account of the effects of the occupation upon the physical environment of Bethlehem. Um, I'm quite interested in the relationship between these physical concrete changes in the Bethlehem environment and then symbolic changes, changes in the ways in which Palestinians uh, think about themselves, represent themselves, ascribe meaning to the world. Um, Could you talk a little bit about the way in which physical disconnection has affected Palestinians and Christians in particular when it comes to for want of a better phrase, their symbolic lives, they're, they're, mm. they're dwelling in the Holy Land, their relationship to modernity, to the Christian world, and so on. All right. Well, it's, um, uh, I've, been, I've been based in the Bethlehem area, and, uh, well, Christians in, in, the, in Palestine, they have a, they take, in, in, in Bethlehem in particular, they take immense pride in, uh, well, in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem's centrality to, uh, to Christianity itself, mm. they also have a strong emotional connection with Jerusalem, um, and it's sort of a there's this there's this dramatic context which contrast between uh, the fact that uh, there, there, sort of there are people living in in Bethlehem who have well members of the families have emigrated to other parts of the world. They have family connections throughout the Middle East, Latin America, in the U.S., in Europe. Mm-hmm. Some of these they have daily contact with now through uh, well. Through, uh, through the internet, um, and some of them have also lived abroad and hold one or two foreign passports themselves. Hmm. But on the West Bank, as Palestinians, they are they are stuck in Bethlehem. Sort of just getting to Ramallah, half an hour's drive away, can be a major hassle. Hmm. And um, Jerusalem, which is located just five miles to the north, is mostly blocked for them. Hmm. And, um, and some of these Bethlehem Christians haven't been able to to visit Jerusalem in well in a decade. And uh, in, in sort of in terms of uh, uh, well their own, uh, it's sort of their uh, their attachment to 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 the, to, uh, the area to, uh, to local places uh, in terms of their. Um, Sort of the the, anch- the local anchoring of the of the Christian identity. This is quite dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's sort of uh, Jerusalem is while well, they're well, uh, they live in and around Bethlehem. Uh, Jerusalem is still kind of a 
and what they see as the, as the, as their as their main spiritual center in a sense mm. um and not being able to uh for, the, for those who have a have a who have a, have a strong who feel who still feel who feel really strongly about their uh their religious identity in particular uh not being able to visit jerusalem at all not being able to um uh, to visit the, the holy sites, the holy churches of Jerusalem is a is is quite a dramatic loss mm. in many ways, and it sort of it it contrasts so sort of so sharply with the 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 extent to, to which uh, they are connected with with the rest of the world in other ways, mm. with their sense of uh, of uh, of um, relational mobility in some sense. Um, sort of this, this this sense of relational mobility um, that, that, that sort of uh, yeah it, it contrasts dramatically with their with their complete lack of physical mobility mm. in the Bethlehem area. Mm, it's really interesting. I think one of the things that really struck me, um, not least in reading your book, was was the way in which, as well as this disconnection. Um, if you like, uh, mm. physically, uh, symbolically, to places elsewhere, um, particularly Jerusalem and to to Israel and so on, um, mm. places which matter greatly to them. There's also a kind of disconnection from Bethlehem as well because of internal migration, which you deal with uh, an awful lot. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, a disconnection from... Uh, yeah, a kind of uh, sense of having... I use it almost metaphorically, really, a sense of having um, been displaced within their own town because they oh, yes, yes. recognise that their own mm. town, if you like. Yeah, you know, this is particularly uh, this is something that's uh, that's uh, sort of an experience that's particularly strong among uh, those who live in Bethlehem itself. Right. So uh, there is a there's a difference here between Bethlehem. Uh, Beit Sahur and Beit Jala, mm. and in Bethlehem in particular, this this uh, this experience, experience is is quite strong. It's about um, well, historically, um, uh, for the last few hundred years, uh, Bethlehem has been a uh, a Christian majority town. It had um, uh, historically, it's, it's sort of the city. The city had, uh, is consisted of seven family clans, six of which were Christian, one which was Muslim. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, basically until until uh, uh, until the, around the turn of the century, around uh, uh, the late 1800s, uh, when Christian Christian families started emigrating to you to uh, to Latin America in particular, this this was the case. Uh, Christians were in uh, clearly in majority, and they they owned much of the land around Bethlehem at the time. Uh, but then, as families started emigrating, they um, they sold their land, and they um, much of this land was sold to both Muslim families in the area, and especially from the Hebron area. Um, and this is a development that's been going on throughout the throughout the nineteenth century as well. No, sorry, the the twentieth century as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with sort of with uh, wealthy families from uh, from other parts of the West Bank, Muslim families are, uh, buying land, buying properties in in and around Bethlehem. Uh, this is something that's being referred to as People refer to as the Hebronization of, uh, of the Bet- of Bet- Bet- the Bethlehem area. Uh, in addition, uh, three refugee camps have been after 1948, after the, uh, the expulsion of Palestinians from from today's Israel. Three refugee camps were settled, were established around Bethlehem uh, that are now held to. Uh, I do not know how many, but also many thousand. Uh, uh, tens of thousands of uh, refugees, mm. and they too uh, sort of constitute a strong presence in in the city itself and around. 
what what does this presence look like? I suppose that's what I'm driving at. What yeah. is the everyday experience of this um, in migration? Well, it's it's sort of a, the experience the local uh, those who consider themselves old Betlemites is that uh, they have gone from constitu- constituting ninety percent of, uh, of the city's population to maybe twenty five, mm. uh, and they and they uh, they experience that. Uh, Especially as many of the many properties in the, in the old city of Bethlehem has been has been taken over by uh, Hebron families, uh, they experience that this, this this sort of this has changed the social character of the city to some extent as well. Mm. Um, Hebron um, Hebronites are, are sort of considered more uh, have been considered fairly sort of socially conservative in many ways. Uh, to the extent that families who consider themselves uh, sort of old Muslim um, Muslim mm. they have they come they have complained that um, sort of this these these newcomers from Hebron have sort of mm. changed the terms of what it means to be Muslims in Bethlehem itself. Um, uh, so this is uh, this is kind of the main thing they they have experienced that. Uh, they, as Christians, no longer dominate Bethlehem, and uh, that the city is sort of, the town is slowly changing in front of them. Um, and whereas, whereas they have their, uh, their, their, their biggest family networks, mainly in, in Chile and other places in Latin America, uh, their, their sort of their local social base is, is shrinking. Mm. Uh, now this this experience is is fairly strong in in, in Bethlehem and to some extent in, in Beit Jala. Uh, this is much less the case in in, in Beit Zahur, which is uh, where the Christians still constitute seventy five percent of the population, and uh, yeah, then and, they, and they've been very uh, sort of very uh, insistent on not selling their land to outsiders. Mm. <laughs> That's really interesting, that that summary. Um, Just one general question, really. It's a little bit off-piste, if you like. Um, Christians in the Middle East are in the media an awful lot at the moment, and and much of it is good news, really. Uh, Do you have any optimism at all for Christians in Palestine, in the region more generally, even other minority groups? What's the future, if you like, of that ancient pluralism of the Levant, as far as you see it? Well, actually, I'm kind of... um... I'm, I'm, um, in, in terms of immigration, I do think that uh, as as long as um, if 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 the political situation keeps deteriorating and there's nothing leading towards a uh, kind of a political solution anytime soon, at least in Palestine, uh, uh, this is going this is certainly going to sort of lead to more immigration and Christians being uh, local Christians being. Sort of fairly well connected, well resourceful, well educated, they are uh, will be among the first to leave. Mm. Um, this is this is all the way it always is in any uh, sort of conflict conflict setting. Um, but at the same time, the the few that stay behind are um, the lo- local Christians have historically they have this. Uh, they have the the, the 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 legacy of their own contribution to to uh, establishing a, a a secular Palestinian national identity, mm. and and kind of, I kind of think this this to some some extent gives them a local buffer as well. Mm. <laughs> uh, it sort of it gives them a, it gives them a, it's, it's it strengthens their sense of uh, of, of belonging. Uh, their uh, their local investment in the area, and uh, it's and also their um, the sense among uh, the commitment among local Muslims to, uh, to sort of to work to work towards keeping their the, the local Christian presence alive. Mm. Um, uh, when it comes to the rest of the region, uh, in general, I am quite I'm quite pessimistic. Uh, I mean, in, in uh, we know that in in, uh, in Iran, uh, the Christian communities of, uh, of Iran has been been completely decimated following the well the aftermath of the civil wars following the American invasion in 2003. Mm. Uh, in um, 
uh, in Syria. Well, who knows what's going to happen in Syria? Um, but it's sort of if um, it's sort of well, well, sort of uh, the Assad is, uh, is is imagine unimaginably brutal. It's sort of um, local Christians seem to they they uh, they experience a, a much worse fate under under uh, well ISIS rule. Mm. Uh, where, where where they still hold all the power. So whatever happens there is well, hard to say. Um, uh, in Egypt, they are uh, they have a eight million people strong community. Um, it's sort of a, I, I think the situation for cops in Egypt is going to get is going to be a, a, well, it's it's it's. A, <laughs> It's hard to say what happens there, but what happened, what uh, what happens in Egypt uh, at this point is most of all dominated by the the, the strengthening of a, of a of a repressive military system that's uh, that's much more repressive than anything any system they've had before, <laughs> and that's sort of a, that's a problem for anyone in, in the area. Uh, well. So all in all, I'm not uh, I'm not optimistic. <laughs> well, thank you anyway so, for for giving us your perspective on that, and also for for taking us through some aspects of your book. We've taken up a lot of your time. It's been really great to hear about your book, Dilemmas of Attachment. I wonder if you could end up by just uh, telling us what you're working on at the present, um, since since you finished that book. Well, um, currently I'm working on a project focusing on masculinity among uh, Egyptian Copts. Uh, and for that, I've been conducting fieldwork in, uh, in Alexandria. Uh, and being based in, in Alexandria, uh, northern Egypt, I've, uh, I've also, uh, as a side project, I've focused a little bit on, uh, on the, well, the remaining small Christian communities of Alexandria as well, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, the small, tiny remains of uh, what was once cosmopolitan Alexandria. Mm. So I'm sort of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still sticking with, uh, with uh, well, the Christian minority situation. Mm. Well, we look forward to reading that one. Maybe we'll get a chance to uh, to talk about that as well um, in due course. Um, I'd urge all of our listeners to get hold of Dilemmas of Attachment. It's really quite an important contribution to to this conversation about um minority uh, the sustainability of minorities in the middle east and it's been really great talking to you board that's all we've got time for just now so let me close by thanking you for a really stimulating conversation um, and wish you every success with your current work thank you so much